Hey everyone, it's Ariel Hawani, and I wanted to let you know that each and every week I'm part of a great program called the Ringer MMA Show. I host it alongside two absolutely brilliant minds. Their names, Chuck Mendenhall and Pete Carroll. And every Thursday, a new episode drops where we preview the weekend in mixed martial arts and react to all the biggest news. Plus, after every UFC pay-per-view, we give you a post-fight show. So this is what you have to do. Just follow the Ringer MMA show on your Spotify app so you don't miss an episode. We'll talk to you then. My Eagle enthusiasts, it's Fairway Rolling, presented by FanDuel. Major season is here, and you can get in on all the long drives, big putts, and major moments with FanDuel. Check out live PGA Tour bets like longest drive, round leaders, matchups, birdie or better, and more. Plus, track every shot in the app and watch select par three holes while you place your bets. Download the app today and bet with FanDuel, the official betting operator of the PGA Tour. Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. You must be 21 years old or older and present in select states. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors with over 122 million parts from superchargers and brakes to exhaust kits and beyond. eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance and with eBay guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, friends, and welcome to this golf show unlike any other. Oh, yes, my friends, we have done it. It is another major championship upon us, and this is Fairway Rollin', a golf show on the Ringer Podcast Network and FanDuel TV. My birdie buddies, my eagle enthusiasts. My par-saving pals, we only get down one way here on Fairway Rolling when it's major championship week. It is always a three ball for a grand major preview. This three ball is myself. I am Joe House, your starter. I'm joined by, as always, my incomparable accomplice, our PGA Tour correspondent, boots on the ground, Nathan Hubbard, and then my birdie buddies. We only get down in a serious manner when it's time to make some money on golf. And that is with our buddy, Justin Ray from the 21st group. JR, welcome aboard. It is a three ball for th- all three of us. It's, 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 it's pegs in the ground time. The second major staring us in the face. The fairway is right open. Let's get rolling. You guys used to this May major championship thing yet? It's still, I'm still kind of easing my way into it. You know, they used to be around this time, we'd have the Players' Championship. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be a great week. Can't wait to see the guys get out to Oak Hill and, and see this golf course. It's the perfect lead-in, JR. We have to get our heads around the fact that it's May. We're still, I'm still getting used to it. And not only May, but we're in upstate New York. Now, I did look at the weather forecast a little bit. We're in Pittsburgh, New York, which is right outside of Rochester. And for tournament days, a, a little bit of a cool day, a high of 59 on Thursday, high of 75 on Friday. That's your, your your New York spring weather. And then we've got showers potentially in the forecast 
Saturday and Sunday, uh, more showers throughout the day. Saturday, Sunday looks like if there are showers, it'll be limited to the morning. But the, the true star of the show and the thing that is, to me, the most interesting element of the second major championship of the season is this brand new Donald Ross golf course. And it's absurd to call it a brand new Donald Ross, except for it is a Donald Ross does a classic, classic design. Some folks regard it as perhaps his greatest work, notwithstanding Pinehurst number two, um, that has been completely renovated with an effort to restore it to original architectural principles, the way that Donald Ross experienced the land way back in the early 1900s when he built this thing. The architect, Andrew Green, was responsible for the restoration. And all I'm doing, JR is scouring the web, calling up resources, using the connections in the Rolodex. What, how is this thing going to play? What are you hearing thus far? Well, the first thing you're going to notice when you see the golf course aesthetically that's changed is they removed a ton of trees. Uh, and the idea was to generate more creative shot-making opportunities for guys to not be stymied in certain lines and certain approaches uh, by those trees. So that's the first thing the fans are going to notice. If you remember last time we were here for a major championship, uh, not counting the seniors, was Jason Duffner in 2013, 10 years ago. So it's going to look a little bit different than you had then. And of course, it's going to play different because it's not in August, it's in May. You mentioned the cooler temperatures. It should be a kind of a, you know, they're known for getting a lot of rain in that part of the country this time of year. Um, it's going to play even long. It's a long golf course and it's going to play even longer. So you're going to hear a lot of reasons why I, I'm high on certain guys. Uh, you're going to hear the word carry distance a lot, I think, over the next the next week or so, because you're going to have to move the golf ball out here. You're going to have to hit a lot of drivers. I think guys who are able to gain shots with the driver against the field are going to have a huge leg up on the competition. I honestly think if you're in the below, if you're in the lower half on the PGA Tour in driving distance, you might be eliminated before you start this week. It's that kind of difficult golf course. It's going to have those kind of demands. So yeah, aesthetically, the first thing you'll notice is lack of trees, but this is going to be a proper ball striking test to you three. One thing we notice about the PGA Championship is that they always set it up in interesting ways to try to bring more players in. And two of the winners on this course, Jason Duffner, and we don't even, I mean, like, <laughs> who, 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 name the other guy who won the PGA Championship who we never heard from again. It's Sean McKeel, right? Yeah. But uh, who's actually in the field this week. So I do think that they have some ways to tweak it, but it feels like on a basically 7,400 yard par 70 that this is going to come down to the two holes on the back, the 13th, which is a par five, where they're going to have. A couple of ways to set this up, uh, aren't they, Jay Ray? Uh, in in some ways, that creek may be too far for anybody to carry, and it's going to be a three-shot hole, which lets some of the shorter hitters who are used to that, who are, who are generally hitting the shorter wedges into par fives anyway, uh, compete. On a few days, they're definitely going to turn this into a, if you can click carry the ball 300 plus, you, you're going to have a second shot into this green. And that's going to be followed right up by a relatively short, uh, 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 or preceded by relatively short par four 12th, right? Where yeah. depending on how they set that hole up, there's going to be guys who can get to go to the green. It feels like a lot of this tournament is going to hinge on the setup of those two holes. I love that stretch on this golf course, 12, 13, 14, because you mentioned the shortish par four that precedes the big par five, where you may or may not have a forced layup. Then immediately after that, you got really like a risk reward par four too. So it's a really interesting stretch of the golf course. Um, I'm with you. I love the way that, you know, we always talk, the Masters, we talk about course setup and how immaculate the place is. The U.S. Open is always the controversial one in terms of pushing guys to the limit. Uh, the PGA Championship, I don't think gets enough credit for the way that they they set up uh, their, their championship year in right. and year out. I'm with you. I'm really interested to see how they're going to be able to maneuver that because you know that, like you said, they're going to have a day or two where they – Real, you're really going to benefit from being able to carry that creek. And I think there's going to be a couple of days maybe where it's going to be impossible for anyone to get out there. So a um, lot of options for the for the uh, course set up this week. Um, and I think you're right. I, you're spot on. I think that's going to play a huge role. I mean, so analytically, if you just took the names and the locations off these two golf courses and look at the percentage of, of different shots and values involved, I think there's a lot of comparisons here to Bay Hill. Long hmm. park breeze. 
Uh, you're going to have some approaches from 200 to 250 yards, a couple monster par fives, some forced layups due to water. Now it's not the big, you know, lakes that we have in, that we see in Orlando. It's going to be that creek that that kind of intermingles with the golf course throughout. But there are a lot of little traits there where you know carry distance is really beneficial on a soft Bay Hill course. Um, you think about a couple of the two or three of the last five editions at Arnold Palmer Invitational. They've been really tough, kind of chilly, windy conditions. I just keep when I was looking at all the different numbers about this golf course and what's required, it really kind of it kept popping up in my mind that this is this is going to be something that maybe you can look to uh, players who have succeeded at Bay Hill because of some of the different things that are required on this course. Well, I, I want to bounce something off of you, um, Jr. That um, I think picks up on on that theme that you're identifying where we're trying to find comps. I, I have a pal a golf pal that's a national member. He lives down in the South, but he's a national member at, at Oak Hill. And the comps that he kind of tossed out there um, were Northeast uh, venues, both um, Brookline and Wingfoot. And in particular, Wingfoot, um, the reason being that he um, said that that the, the rough is, is going to be a, a prominent um, kind of participant in this week's competition. Tight fairways. That's Tight the other fairway. aspect of it. You beat me to the yeah. punch. That's exactly right. That was the other thing that, that he observed. And, you know, it is kind of in keeping with the way the PGA of America has been choosing venues that have hosted U.S. Opens. These are U.S. Open venues. And, and you know, at, at par 70, at the length that we're talking about, like the scoring for this, it might be comparable to last year where JT one at, at at five under, but you only have two or three guys under par in the in, mm -hmm. entire field, right? J Ray, is that a way to kind of size this up? Yeah, and too, and if you look at since they moved the PGA Championship to May, the winning scores have been significantly higher in terms of like a lower, like minus eight, minus seven, minus six, as opposed to what we saw at Bell Reeve or what we saw in years past uh, with the the more scorable conditions when the tournament was in August. So add that factor in as well with with the course, with the kind of difficulty. Uh, I, I blurted out during your explanation about the the tight fairways. This is among the tightest fairways they're going to see all year in in professional golf. I think it was fifth or sixth most narrow. Oh, and by the way, the greens are really small too, and they're going to be super fast. So uh, throwing a little bit of moisture with that rough, and yeah, this is going to be this is going to be a difficult test. Now that I, I made the comparison to Bay Hill, that's not necessarily the case with the fairways there. Those fairways. It can be difficult when you get in that rough, but it's not nearly as penalizing as we're going to see this week. I was more talking about like the longer approach shots and stuff like that. So, yeah, no, I, I, I'm really interested to see how this rough kind of causes a little bit of havoc, especially when we get a little moisture earlier in the day, cooler temperatures, some wet roughs, some more difficult approach shots for guys we miss. We're talking about this golf course a little bit the way we were talking about winged foot leading up to it. And we all know what happened there with Bryson sort of strategically overpowering it, it convince me that this isn't going to be one of those it, it, or are you set now on the idea that the guys who are going to win this are just going to hit the crap out of the ball and play better with their shorter irons well uh, the real life anecdote about it not being just down to those bombers is that jason duffner is about he was about average length and he won 10 yeah. years ago yeah. and sean McKeel wasn't you know I, i'd have to go look i'm not I'm not even super familiar with what the strengths of his game is because he won it when I was in high school. So, but but these aren't guys. I think Jim Furyk contended in 2013 as well. Like these aren't guys who overpowered with distance. So if you go, you know, obviously there's been a redesign since then, so it's a little bit different, different time of year. But you can go back and say, okay, maybe maybe not necessarily. It's going to all require you know guys who bomb the, the the crap out of the ball. But analytically speaking, as I've gone through and broken it down, I think it's going to be an enormous factor this week. And that's why all my picks and, and guys I'm really heavy on are guys who carry their driver a long way and are able to eliminate some of that, uh, some of the stuff between the tee box and the putting surface with that extra distance. Is there a secondary metric outside of the, the distance and shots gained off the tee that, that feels right to you? Is it some of the longer approaches? How do you yeah. look at that? Spot on. Yeah, I think approach shots between... 175 and 225 is going to be pretty mm. significant too. And that I year in, year out, I lean on that. That's what I keep making that Bay Hill comparison because it's the course that they go to every single year where that's the most, that's the trait that pops out most and mm. correlates most to success. Is I think, you know, if, if a player is, let's say a player is really good in strokes gain approach, 
but he gains more shots from 50 to 125, i.e. Justin Thomas this year, than he does from 175 to 225, um, which JT isn't as strong at this season. That's kind of where I would make that delineation is look more towards guys who gain strokes on the field with those longer irons. Well, I, I that walks me right into one of the things that I've been seeing in the research as I try and get my arms around what attributes are going to be most meaningful here. And it looks like because of the combination of the size of the greens, very small greens, and the what we're anticipating in terms of how often guys are hitting fairways and balls actually in the fairways, meaning that translates into less success of, of hitting greens in regulation, that around the green is going to have an outsized importance potentially. And you know, if if you don't show up at this venue with the strokes gained around the green performance that is, you know, top quartile, top 30%, you might not be in it to win it this week, JR. Yeah, I- in the last decade or so, the PGA Championship has skewed a little bit more towards performance off the team, mattering a little bit more, and a little bit more for around the green. Of the four, you know, denominate key denominations of strokes gained uh, off the tee approach, around green and putting around the green is the fewest number of shots player hits, right? So it's not an astronomical, you know, significance, but I think it can be once we, once the name Victor Hovland gets thrown out there, which is always what I write down before, before uh, we talk about this, when the strokes gain around the, uh, around the green is a little bit more significant. Maybe it's a deciding factor between picking a, picking between two players or three players to kind of put one guy over the top. Well, I, is it too soon to start jumping into names? I mean, for crying out loud, it feels to me like the work that's been done this season leading up to this major has been sort of, again, filtering the real ones from the pretenders. And it was lovely to see J-Day scoot himself back up to the top of the leaderboard yesterday and get himself a win because we've been able to see his game trending in that direction. But you wouldn't say today that as much as J-Day, and I think you probably have a shots gained number for me that would suggest that Jason Day, since the beginning of the year, has been a top five to seven ball striker. Am I right? Yeah, he's been a top five to seven player, period, in the, over the last, I think since the beginning of February is the one I looked at. His biggest jump in his game, he went from significantly below average with his approach play last season to top 20 on the PGA Tour. It's been an astronomical difference. Not sure what he found, something in his swing, something with his approach, uh, but his approach play numbers are through the roof better compared to last season. And Jason Day is actually top 30 in every strokes game category, something that only a couple other players on the PGA Tour this season can hang their hat on. So, yeah, he, he his ascent was, it was kind of like, obviously the scale is different, but when Tiger won the 2019 Masters, there was that kind of, Okay, he contends in the playoff events. He wins the tour championship. He's pl- you could see the ascent to that point, right? Yeah. You could kind of see that with Jason Day this season, too, obviously, to a much smaller extent, but you were watching him step by step get better and better. And it was pretty cool to see full circle him get a win 13 years after he got his first win uh, here in the uh, Dallas Fort Worth area. I don't think we would put him in that upper echelon just yet, although the stats suggest we got to be thinking about him in that cluster of guys maybe beneath the top tier. Is there anything that you have seen that would give us reason to not have Scotty and Rom at the top of our list in the upper echelon? Does Cam Smith's 61 on whatever cow pasture they played in Tulsa this week change your thinking? Does DJ coming back and being a little bit competitive and ultimately winning that tournament make you, make you think anything? Or is it really at this point, Rom and Scheffler, Rory's performance has been weak, uh, there was nothing that we saw in his comeback that made us feel like he's got it all together yet. Uh, or am I thinking about that in the wrong way? Is there something about this course that should make us think differently about somebody other than Rom and Scotty Scheffler? No, consistency-wise and ball-striking-wise, Scotty and Rom have separated themselves even from the elite pack at the top of the sport. Um, you know, Scotty leads the PGA Tour in strokes getting off the tee and greens in regulation. How about that? That's a nice little one-two combo to have mm-hmm. going to Oak Hill. Uh, Scotty is basically doing everything better this season than last except putting. And that's scary considering how good he was early on in the season last year. So, and then you look at Rom and, you know, the unbelievable beginning of the season he has. He's first, he's first in par three scoring, 
second in par four and first in par five. <laughs> so it doesn't matter what the hole type is, what the grass type they're playing on, what the golf, what what demand there is. He has every shot in the bag. Um, Scotty Scheffler's putting has been a little bit inconsistent this season. You saw a little bit of that coming down the stretch yesterday at the Byron Nelson, but his ball striking is going to carry him everywhere. He has, you know, tons of length and and plenty to to separate himself from the pack. But yeah, no, you're spot on when you say I, I think there's a separated separation factor between those two guys and then maybe that elite pack at the top that you could see winning and wouldn't be, you know, confounded by that happening. Um, but they're one, one, two, one, a, one B, and there's a pretty big separation between them. And I think, uh, you get into Cam Smith, Roy McIlroy, Dustin Johnson, guys like that. So, so Justin, if we say that the reason that Scotty wouldn't win is because of the putting, that's the most obvious thing. What reason would we say for John Rahm? Is it, is it how hard it is to win the first two majors of the season? Is it, is it just that simple? It doesn't happen very often. I will give you this number I thought was kind of surprising. Since Jordan Spieth won the first two majors of the year in 2015, only one time has a guy won the Masters and in his next major even finished in the top 20. So there is maybe a little bit of a residual hangover effect. Rom is obviously talented enough to blow that out of the water. And Rom's a higher caliber winner, not than Scotty last year, but you look at you know Danny Willett, Patrick Reed, Sergio Garcia, like, those guys aren't necessarily as consistent major championship to major championship. Um, you know, Rom has the best scoring average in majors since 2019. Most rounds in the 60s in majors since 2019. Like he's there almost every time he tees it up in a big event. You can count on him. So, yeah, Scotty. The the reasoning go to obviously is the putter because that's statistically what he's weakest in. God, I hated Rahm, that missed putt on 18 yesterday too. Yeah, yeah, that was that was it, tough. It just he does that every now and then, and it's it 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 is unsettling. Yeah, for Ram, it might just be human nature is the, is the thing that. So, or you know, he gets a his kid gets sick and he's got a stomach bug like a TBC that's, soft looks. You know? that, that, that's right, life happens. Well, speaking of life happening, what are we going to do with Rory this week? Rory Truther number one. That's I'm pointing that myself. Everybody can see it here on FanDuel TV. Um, we don't have anything to sink our teeth into in terms of golf over the last 10 weeks with Rory McIlroy, where we say, oh, here, here he comes, here come the trends. Was there anything in the Quail Hollow performance? You know, he finished inside the top 50. Is there anything about that that we could say, oh, glimmers, glimmers for Rory? So I'm more looking at the big picture for him. I know, obviously, look, he hasn't won a major since 2014. The recent memories of watching him play golf, you know, in big events, not necessarily that great. Like, I'll give you this. Even with his miscut at the Masters, he has the best score to par in majors since the beginning of last year. Best of anybody. So, I mean, even considering the, the you know, he even say the failure that was this year's Masters, he's still got that going for him. And you look at him analytically speaking, you know, he's won at Bay Hill before, which I mentioned. Second on the PGA Tour in average carry distance. Um, i got to look at who the only guy who's ahead of him. But, you know, you know he's going to be able to carry and move the golf ball. Um, you know, if you just took the name off and looked at the different numbers and traits, you know, his putting hasn't been as good this year as it was last season. But I mean, statistically, you look at it and you're like, okay, I could definitely see him contending. But me watching Rory McElroy the last eight, nine, ten years in majors, and I'm kind of I'm kind of tenuous about about throwing a lot of confidence in it. But, you know, he does have some of those traits in his game that make him an interesting choice this week. That in no way made House feel better. Nope. Nor should it. I mean, we shouldn't be making house I'm feel not better right now. I, no. I am not where my skill set is at it's, all. It's okay. Uh, I think <laughs> Rory has found his, and and we'll see if it's made any progress this week. This tournament has historically been a place for first-time winners or guys who win. Uh, you know, the Ben Curtis uh, situation experience, notwithstanding, this has been a place where a lot of guys who who get their one and then not another one happen. When you look at this board, is there a has-not-won-it-yet guy who stands out for you? The first name that comes to mind is the only player who's finished in the top 15 in each of the last four majors, and that's Xander Shoffley, because he can, he can carry it plenty far off the tee. He's consistently been there on difficult setups in majors. You saw how good the beginning of his career at the U.S. Open was. You're making those comparisons to the U.S. Open, those setups too. He's the name that pops off the page, first of all. The other guy, and I know every time we talk going into a major, our 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 phrase about him is he's got to show us in the big events, right? 
Patrick Cantlay has everything in the bag analytically to tell you that he's going to break through into a and succeed and get his first major anytime soon. Uh, he's he he and Shoffley are the only guys finishing the top fifteen in the last three majors. So Shoffley uh, won more than him, but those are the two who haven't won yet that jump off the page to me. They keep knocking on the door. I know with, with I have more confidence in Xander possibly breaking through this week than I would Cantlay, but I think that's just because I've been so high on Cantlay for four or five years. Yeah, and it just hasn't happened. Yet. But but I think the counter case to that would be Cantlay's got a new man on the bag who knows how to win. Correct. Yeah, uh, that's and, a good point. And, and I think they have not had a ton of time together, but I kind of liked what I saw from them at Quail Hollow. The converse was I hated what I saw from Xander on the back nine at Quail Hollow. That tournament was his to go win. Yeah. And, it, you know, it, it's, it was nice to see Wyndham grab it uh, and play well, but I really, Xander took the lead and then coughed it up. And it was not, it just wasn't a killer move. It's the thing about Xander that has befuddled me and all of us who are fans of his. He's got some wins, but he gets himself into those moments and doesn't just slide the dagger directly into the vital organs. I will, uh, just to you know, flip it back on you, difficult golf course last summer when he was playing maybe the best golf of his career, the Scottish Open, he did twist the knife. He got it, he got it done. So... Look, it's it's a difficult thing to do to finish out a golf tournament. It is a little bit winning look, is all hard. respect to Wyndham Clark. He's a you know he he's a he's a good prospect. He's got he had a great week, well, unbelievable week, ball striking that week at Well Hall. But it's not like John Rahm or Scotty Scheffler caught him and beat him. It was it was a player who hadn't won yet on the PGA Tour. So yeah, that is a little bit perturbing. But you look at the different the player profile, what's required on this golf course, and the recent success of majors. What Shoffley's done on some difficult tracks. I have, that's probably the name of guys who've not won yet. That'd be mm-hmm. number one on my list. Other than the guy, well, I am going to, I'm yeah, picking here a guy we go. later. I'm picking a guy later who hasn't won yet. That sneak peek. Okay. I, okay. I, I, I'll is save it, that for a little while from now. Save it. it are, are the initials TGT, Top Gun? Is that, are those, is that the direction we're at? No. no. Okay. I think he's going Cam Young, dude. He's going well, Cam Young. That, so you neither is, confirm nor deny. Well, okay, then I'll save it because my very next name that I had on my list, and and it does fit the profile of first-time winner on tour winning a major kind of uh, opportunity that 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 certainly um, fits Cam Young. But um, I, we we can go in a in a different direction. I I don't want to steal your thunder. Tell us why Top Gun Tony, because uh, that's who we put in that same class as Xander. And, and, and Patrick Cantlay, why can't Top Gun Tony come out and do it this week? He absolutely can. I, I love him on this golf course. Power and form is the thing I wrote down. It was just the first thing I thought of. He's played great, not just the last couple of months, but the last 12 to 18 months. His career's taken off to a new level. Obviously, the number of wins he's had since he broke through with that second one. He is second on the PGA Tour in strokes gain approach this season. Absolutely love that. That's miles better than he was a couple of years ago. It's part of his game. We all know that's the separating factor in elite championship golf, and that's the part of his game that's gotten much better. That's why he's won. Um, yeah, he's actually too. He's got he's putting much better this season as well. He's gaining three times as many strokes putting per round this year than he did last year. Um, I, I, he's he's a great pick. I, I honestly would not be surprised at all if he broke through one of his first major this week. That would be amazing. I would love it. He'd be a popular one for sure. Not my pick. <laughs> okay, Wait, I, it doesn't sound like it. All right, my Eagle enthusiasts, step up to the tee and take a swing at betting the PGA Tour on FanDuel. Right now, new customers can get a no-sweat bet up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. It's a major week, my birdie buddies. The PGA Championship is upon us. Of course, we are going chalky, chalk, 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 chalk at a big boy golf course, you can use your no sweat bet on a nice little parlay of Scotty Scheffler and John Rahm and maybe Xander Schauffele and Patrick Cantlay. If you want to do outrights, you could do that for the, for those guys. Matthew Fitzpatrick is there at 32 to 1. Cameron Young is there at 32 to 1. Why don't you bet them in finishing positions, finishing in the top 20? You can look at these guys when a head-to-head matchup. It is all there available to you right now at FanDuel.com. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get in on the action. The app is crazy easy to use. 
wide range of betting options and props, top 10s, 20s, and 30s, hole-in-one props, matchups, and more. And when you win, you get paid instantly. So aim for some green this spring and bet on the PGA Tour. Go to FanDuel.com slash Rollin and sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash R-O-L-L-I-N to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. FanDuel, the fishing betting operator of the PGA Tour. Quick disclaimer, you must be 21 years old or older in select states. The first online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. The refund is issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See full terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. If you have a gambling problem, you can call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hope is here. In Massachusetts, you could check out gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. In New York, you can call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, or Virginia. You can call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 if you are in Arizona. In Connecticut, Call 188-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In Indiana, you call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Kansas, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Visit in Maryland, www.mdgamblinghelp.org. In Wyoming, you call 1-800-522-4700. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you will always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply this episode is brought to you by evernorth health services costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care and evernorth is doing everything in their power to make that possible behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best. It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that'll benefit your bottom line. It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because they're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. How do you assess the live guys coming in here? Really? You, you, we got 18 of them playing. You can look at the last event and see some cream that starts to rise to the top. Uh, you've got uh, Taylor Gooch is in this tournament versus the U.S. Open, clustered at least on the odds board around the likes of Wyndham Clark and Tom Kim and Sahith Tagala. Uh, how do you, as you sit back and take stock, is it just had they perform 
at the Masters? Or is there anything to learn from the very limited hazy data and you know sometime part-time telecast that we get from the CW network? I mean, they cut, they went to a pre-taped talk show as DJs coming down the street. Yeah, I got yesterday. something called like Taste of Texas. I mean, came on what? in yeah. Dallas here. That's a pretty uh, good show, though, Justin. Let's be honest. Taste well, of it Texas, was barbecue look good. I'm yeah, not gonna lie. Let's, let's it, be honest. It, it yeah. would have had more viewers. But how, how do you go about <laughs> assessing these guys when you when you stack them up versus the guys where you've got a little more data and week in week out visibility? I think we all kind of collectively learned at the Masters, right? When Brooks Kepka is leading for 63 holes or whatever it was or 54 holes and phil mickelson played great i mean obviously the masters is different right that's, no course that's in golf, the hard part no course in golf values past experience more so than augusta national so i take a, a little grain of salt with some of those with those couple of performances patrick reed playing well etc but i don't think you can completely discount what they've been doing on their tour i mean look i had it on yesterday and there was Flowrider on in the background as Brandon Grace tried to make birdie to make a playoff. And I'm like, I, I'm trying, guys. This is just, <laughs> it didn't have the same kind of feeling, right? Like, you know, but it, even, even so, Cam Smith shoots 61 on Sunday in, uh, in, in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. We know how hot he can get with his putter, uh, a wizard around the greens, too. I think everyone's going to miss greens this week. This is going to be a difficult course to, you're not going to hit 17, 18 greens in regulation like John Rom did at Augusta National. Um, guys are going to have to get up and down. I think there's a little bit of value in it, right? Like now, like, do I take it as, it, I, so I'm obviously the numbers guy, right? I'm obviously someone who is immersed in, in data and golf stats week in and week out. And they just don't have the numbers. I just don't have numbers to go off of. So mm. I wish I could tell you that Dustin Johnson is hitting his approach shots from 200 to 250 yards better than last. I I don't know. I have no idea. None Look. of us do because there's no numbers behind it. So I think inherently because I don't have the numbers, I push away from leaning towards them because I'm such a data focused guy. But I think just anecdotally speaking, you can't completely um, you know, ignore what's been going on 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 their tour. No, and it's clear that the odds boards are not ignoring it because DJ yeah. and Cam Smith, you can get, you know, they're sitting there at around, let's call it 28, 25 to 1, whereas guys like PGA champion Colin Morikawa are at 33 to 1, US Open reigning champion Matt Fitzpatrick are at 33 to 1, Max Effing Homa is at 33 to 1. So there has been, and I think as if you're a better, you sit back and say, is that, is that right? Are, are are they maybe getting a little too excited about what happened on the the course in Tulsa uh, over the course of the last week, and and maybe that's an opportunity for some guys who've been bumped further down the board? Yeah, I think that's a great thought. Um, I mean, looking at the board, going through, like I feel like Taylor Gooch might be undervalued a little bit, but that sure. might be just because that might be just because he hasn't flashed in a major championship yet. I think every time we get to a major. The guys who haven't done it on the big stage, they're kind of you know in that boat where we got to see it to believe it. But um, yeah, like I said, I, I, I end up leaning away from those guys simply because I don't have the empirical data to go off of. Mm. Um, but I don't think you can you can't discount it, and the odds board uh, is not at all. So that means you're not going to talk me out of. I mean, I'm just telling you right now. I've already bet this. It's on FanDuel right this second. You can bet Cam Smith at plus three twenty to finish in the top 10 and you can bet him at plus 150 to finish in the top 20. I'm just taking Cam Smith at plus money odds, yeah. top 10, top 20. Now I yeah. understand what I'm putting myself uh, into with the 10, but the top 20 plus odds for that, I'm going to, that's going to be a decent size bet for me because we have seen him around the greens. He is impeccable. He gets hot. And if his game is in any kind of, of form, then he, he's he's formidable. So I've seen all yeah, that. He just I, shot this, a 61. You know it. his game is in form. That, you said it. <laughs> yeah. You said it, That's it, it Nate, dog. It, it's that's there, it. and he has the nobody believes in me chip on his shoulder. If it exists, if the chatter in any way would piss a guy like that off, he knows that since the British, his game has been underperforming on a relative basis. And, and it sounded and felt like coming into the Masters that he'd heard that and was starting to put in the work. Great player like that, you expect to start seeing results. I, again, it was probably a cow pasture, but he still shot 61. Uh, I think that's not a bad bet, House. 
Yeah, well, I I like um, him sucking at the Masters. I think that that was like, well, now I I can't be out here with with these big boys. Yes, who are and 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 the guys that I'm on tour with. You know, yeah. uh, Patrick Reed and Brooks Kepka. They Phil showed Mickelson up and, and, and shouldn't Phil, be kicking my ass. Yes. Um, speaking of Phil, that's the other big bet that I plan on making. I'm going to recover all of my losses from Phil to miss the cut at the Masters. I am absolutely pounding Phil Mickelson to miss the cut at this venue. <laughs> it's going to be. It's not going to be a Billy Walters size insider trading kind of 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 bet, right? That wasn't even really a bet, but it's going to be sizable. I want all my money back and then some on on Phil to miss the cut. Um, at, at this venue, I, I I just think that the prevailing wisdom of the state of his game, notwithstanding, we, we look the, the thing that that we learn, we know from watching Tiger and Phil both at the Masters over the, the these decades, is that those guys, it's in their DNA now. Um, this is this is an entirely different animal altogether. So I'm gonna try and recover everything. Um, he won like this a, tournament like, two years ago. You're gonna bet him to miss it was the cut at Kiowa. Different, yeah, no. different animal Very altogether. Different. different, different golf course altogether. If He's you, talking you know, a lot of shit on the Twitters. Well, this is it's, it's put up or shut up time, it, 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 isn't it? Let Let's finish off um, our discussion though of this live thing. Two guys who absolutely have the 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 strength, the firepower to show up and show out. DJ, we've mentioned a couple times already. Brooks Kepka, you know. He showed us something at, at the Masters that makes me think that it's 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 sustainable. Um, you have any feel at all uh, on Kepka, or re, is he in the same class as where we're just trying to do our best to kind of speculate on on the live guys? My first word answer is healthy. He's healthy again. He wasn't healthy last year. His he was injured. His knee was he was out of whack. This is a guy since 2017. We've had 24 majors in the men's game. Brooks has finished first or second in a third of them. Like he shows up in major championships. I know that's mm. a that's a pretty <laughs> elementary observation. Reductive, but I, yes. I, I can't discount the guy. And like you said, power off the tee. He's won. A, I think he's won two majors in New York already. Right, he won at uh, the PGA Beth Page and then uh, the U.S. Open at Chinnacock. Um, you know, so I think that there's some similarities there, course wise and difficulty where where his game fits in. You know, he. He can win a birdie fest. He can win a grinded out type championship too. So either kind of side if you get um, this week, I know we're, we're expecting it to be pretty difficult, but look, I, I I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty bullish on Brooks Kepka this week because any, go ahead. Nick. Any concerns about the gender reveal situation of the new baby? And he was eating a donut that had blue cream filling in the middle of it. Does that coincide with him being healthy? I, I didn't have anything about a blue cream donut on the spreadsheets, but um, you know we, we can see how it factors put in, into the put models. In, put it in. Run it through the yeah. That's a plus. That's a plus for house. That that means that Brooks means gender reveal. Yeah, it seems like Jenna's happy, so maybe Brooks happy. Anything involving donuts is is plus for me. That that goes on the card. There you go. Yeah, no, but look, uh, based on what he's done, uh, he did at the Masters. I think that was a pretty strong answer. Like I'm healthy. I, I can still do this. You might not see me every week, but you know th- these are the events that I really care about. And he always said that for years. So um, yeah, no, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty high on Brooks Kepka going into this week. Hmm. Well, is there anybody who drifts a little bit further, further down the board that we don't always talk about when we're thinking about a major that sticks out? This is that one tournament where you feel like. Yeah, there's big boys are going to be in the mix, but maybe Mito Pierre Pereira is coming down the stretch with a chance to choke it on 18. Are, are there any guys who who we don't see on the regular basis for whom you think uh, this course is a decent fit? I mean, like House and I, House has been looking at Gary Woodland for this tournament for quite some time, uh, and 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 his his stats have been trending in the right direction. Obviously, everybody knows who Gary Woodland is. He won a U.S. Open. But are there guys who don't fall in that top 15 to 20 list of killers that you think maybe this one sets up for because of the state of their game? Yeah, somewhere between top of the board and not quite a long shot. Uh, I think that Tyrrell Hatton's game is massively mm-hmm. underrated, I think, just because he doesn't have... Uh, a bunch of big ticket wins in the United States. You know, he's won Rolex series events in Europe, um, uh, won Bay Hill a couple of years ago, obviously. 
he plays his best golf when the conditions are really difficult. We saw that in his win at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. He contended again a couple years later when it was similar kind of conditions. Inside the top 30 in every strokes gain metric, he's plenty long. He's a really good putter. Um, I think that he's a guy who doesn't get talked about enough in terms of someone who has the potential to be a major champion and yeah. who succeeds when the, when the track is really tough. And then another guy who's playing great golf recently, I don't like that he went to the other side of the planet the week before a major, but he didn't win, and that's Sung J.M. Now, I have questions because he's not the longest player in the world, but his form has been excellent recently, six straight top 20s around the world. Like I said, the driving distance is slightly below average, so that's a little bit of a concern this week. But those are two guys who aren't necessarily top of mind every time we get to a major championship that I could see having success this week. Hatton especially. Yeah. Sung Jay a little bit less so, but the form is there. Well, Hatton's coming off a weekend in which he shot 64, 65, uh, made only one bogey between those two rounds. And, uh, you know, his appearance on CBS, uh, he seemed to be owning the fact that some of his chatter of the last few weeks was a little bit harsher on himself than it ought to be. And, and he went right back out on Sunday, was a little bit quieter and uh, made even more birdies. So I, you, you got to like what you see from Hatton coming in. And if you think that the API in Bay Hill is the right context, well, there's a guy who's won there. So uh, certainly an interesting, interesting player coming into this week. Agreed. Yeah, the long irons are, are really good for him. And I think those are going to play a role. And like I said, I think he's plenty long uh, and plays his best golf when it's really difficult. So yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm encouraged by that play. Uh, here in McKinney, right down the road from me last week. JR, you're setting me right up. I, I love this uh, segue. Speaking of playing the best golf under difficult conditions, and and what really uh, resonated in my ears was we were talking about Brooks Kepka being returned to health. This guy that I, I, I want to run through with you um, was uh, working through an injury through the first portion of the season, and for that reason was not on any of our radars. He had a series of like from, for his new standard disappointing performances. I'm talking about us open champion, Matthew Fitzpatrick, who won at a golf course that I think is a reasonable comp in terms of the size of the challenge, the scope of this, this venue, hitting the ball on the fairway, hitting, hitting greens. And what he showed us, uh, the week after the the Masters down there at, at Hilton Head in terms of the competitive spirit, but more importantly to me, the return to health. Um, he's got all the game. He showed us at that U.S. Open that he possesses a length that we didn't uh, associate with him previously. He is a big ball hitter now. How is Matthew Fitzpatrick looking as, as you sort of run him through your, uh, your models? He's really interesting because... Five years ago, I would say he had no chance in hell on this golf course. And he's steadily gotten longer, stronger, better. And the results have, have correlated, right? Like he was a, before he was a short, he was always referred to, he kind of looked like miniature Rory in terms of like build. I know he's probably a little bit taller than Rory, but like in terms of skill wise, he was always around the greens, on the greens, a savant. But now really he's gaining more strokes off the team with his approach play than even with his short game. So um, yeah, he's a guy, like I said, Four or five years ago, before he had all this increased length, absolutely no chance. But I think he's a really he, – he's kind of in that under-the-radar type vibe too. I know you mentioned the injuries earlier in the season, but 10th at the Masters and then the win at Harbortown. Now, Harbortown, admittedly, a much different golf course than we're going to face this week. So take that into consideration when you think about him. But you got to be really – you got to be kind of bullish on him because of the what you saw last summer, the return to good health. Since when he's healthy over the last 18 to 24 months, he's one of the best players in the world. Um, yeah, I think he's a great shout this week. Somebody who I wouldn't be surprised to see contend. That that 32 to 1 price is what really is like, this is that's my class. That's my guy. That's that's what kind of winner, the price, the return that I want on on a winner. And his performance at Southern Hills last year really did put us on notice. Like he was kind of crushed that he wasn't able to carry it through on, on, on Sunday. And we saw that from um the uh, Netflix series. It was like pretty interesting um, revelation with him. So I'm going to, he's getting some of my uh, action this week, Nate, Nate dog. What do you think? Well, I think if you like that general range in the 32 to 33 to one, you got two guys and they happen to be the Cowboys sitting Cal, not Cal, the Cal boys sitting in that range. And it's Max Homa who 
I want to hear Justin Ray's statistical analysis of because for him, it feels like it's sort of between the ears. And it's Colin Morikawa, who we routinely forget uh, because his play of late has been inconsistent and it's felt like more of a technical and mechanical issue than anything else. Let's start with Max. I was disappointed by his performance at the at the Masters. I, I, House and I watched him in the pre-round. It looked like he was almost overly focused and having less fun, although he did seem to have fun at the par three with his newborn and his wife. But the practice round before that, he was hitting a bunch of balls. He was down. His body language wasn't great. It looked like the intensity of the prep had gotten to him. This is a guy who's talked about the next threshold for him to be a great player is to play well in a major. He's got the U.S. Open circled on his calendar because it's in his hometown in a month. But you really felt like coming into Augusta, you were expecting him to play a bit better. Is there more pressure on him coming from himself to show out in a major as he leads up to what we would expect him to be maybe a top five or six contender for U.S. Open in a month? It's a good point about the pressure internally that he's kind of placing on himself. You know, he had his best finish in a major championship at Southern Hills last year, finished tied for 13th. Statistically, he's one of the most fascinating players to look at over the last three or four seasons because he keeps getting better at everything. Like everything keeps making steps forward. It's not just like with Fitzpatrick, it was distance or uh, with John Rahm this year, he's putting it so much better. Max is getting better at everything. And that's why I ha- I, I told you before the Masters, I had him circle for the U.S. Open much more so yep. than at Augusta National. I think he needs more rounds around there. He'll eventually, I know he's going to contend and maybe win one there eventually, but I think he just needs a little bit more, a few more tournament reps before he's ready for that at, at Augusta. Here, it's a different story. Now, Max is, is plenty long here uh, to, to succeed here. Like I said, balanced through the bag, successful everywhere. He's... It's almost like Diet Cantlay in terms of like analytically, like the numbers are all there. The tour wins are there. It just hasn't happened yet in a major championship. And you know, it's kind of an inevitability. So um, I've got him once again, more circled for a month from now in his hometown, a place where he's, you know, obviously won some of the biggest terms of career that went to Riviera, um, et cetera. So I'll take um, it seriously if he can top 20 this week. I I really want to see him fight with the big boys on a big boy course that is set up for him. Yeah, yeah, I, I buy that totally. I definitely will have action on that top 20. Well, let's let's make sure we hit Colin Morikawa, yeah. right, Nate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And for T- Colin, talk to so, me about Colin. Yeah, he's he's a little bit more... I, I don't put a lot of stock in the Miss Cuddy out at Wells Fargo. Um, when you look at the kind of the deeper numbers, he's the leader, again, this season in strokes gained approach, uh, but he's really good from 200 to 250 yards in right. approach play. Top 15 in both of them. I think that's going to be, you know, he's not as long, obviously, as, as some of the other guys who are the best players in the world. But so he's he long needs enough. To be really good. No, no. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying, comparatively to like Rom and Scheffler, yes. he's got to be good because he's going to have a little bit longer approach shots in some of these long par fours. And then, of course, the, um, the, the couple of really monster par threes they've got out there. So I think analytically speaking, I know like he's coming off a miscut. That may worry some people. But when you just look at what he's really good at, I think that those long irons would put, uh, the success of the long irons is going to be a key factor for him, and I, I could see him having some success making some birdies this week and, and being on the leaderboard. I'm not going to put anything on him, so everybody um, feel free because this will be a week that Colin Morikawa... I mean, the the schizophrenia across the elevated events thus far um, has been... that that's, that's the chilling factor for me. But guys, we're, we're 45 minutes in, into this show, and we haven't talked about the defending champion... Of the PGA Championship, yeah. nor have we talked about his blood brother, Jordan Spieth. Now let's let's do Jordan first because, sadly, homie's got an injury. Um, that he he pulled out of the Byron Nelson with uh or a, a wrist injury, right? And and extreme um, pain. Yeah, extreme. So that didn't not, sound good. That's not the way you want to be coming into this kind of a venue, right, fellas? Stay away. I'll be stunned if he doesn't withdraw. It's a bummer. It's a it's a bummer because we love him yeah. and and we had Shane Bacon on a couple of weeks ago, and you know because of his around the green wizardry and some of you know his off the tee stuff that we've seen from Jordan thus far this year, there's been a big improvement. I th- I think yeah uh, in that in that um, department, 
uh, Shane Bacon liked Jordan Spieth to win the PGA Champion. Now, some of that is, yes. is narrative, right? Because he, he, he doesn't but now. He doesn't. But now, yeah, so three I, inch honestly, rough man, is I, the I, wrong place to to be recovering yeah. from a wrist injury. Yeah, hundred percent. That's the point I was going to make, Nathan. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's out of the tournament before this podcast comes out. Yeah, I, th- I, I think mean, it's just, guys... it did not sound good, um, and it's a bummer too, right? Because it's a bummer. You know, this is one of the best storylines we have every year until if when he does it is being able to complete the slam. So yeah, we are. Um, we are. We're. Yeah. I, I'm a. I'm the Rory truther. Nate is the Spieth truther. We're gonna root for him. Rapid recovery. Get that wrist um, fixed up quickly so we can see some more golf out of Jordan Spieth this year. Jordan also he wants to complete the Grand Slam in Frisco, Texas. Okay. 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 Years from now, when the PGA right. Championship is there, that'll be the that's the storybook. That know. he's got that circle. He's, he knows he's a narrative guy, so that's that that'll be his narrative. Um, what are we going to do with JT this week, JR? Justin Thomas's approach play numbers are really down this year compared to the nah. past. Like, throughout What's his career, going on? I, I, don't, I don't have the answer to, for, for you. I just have the numbers in front of me, and they're not great. I mean, he's year in, year out. Now, he's, still, he's still really good. He's like 30th in stroke state approach. Relatively speaking, that's good, but he's usually in the top five in that statistic. And, you know, he's got to have – the other stuff is just a little bit off in terms of statistically, and it's all kind of – you know, he's not able to go to the bank with super elite approach play like he has been throughout his career. So I'm I'm I love Justin Thomas. He's one of my favorite players on tour, but I'm I'm leaning away from him pretty hard this week. Well, the putter has been a big problem for him of late. And we know that he switched to aim point uh for the last tournament and his putting was a little bit better. Do you have a sense for A, how long it generally takes these guys to integrate uh you know, but aim point into the way that they play. And B, is there any sort of statistical rationale for aim point over anything else? And, and whether the guys as a pool who who use aim point perform better than others, or is it really just a case by case, field by field basis? I, I think case by case is the answer to both those things. Like the how long it takes to set in, it might take one putt for some guys, or it yeah. might take six months of getting you know used to different habits, and then. When it comes to the aim point thing, I, it's just case by case basis. But you know, we talk about analytically with JT, he's never been an elite through the roof awesome putter, statistically right. week in, week out on tour, but he's been able to bank on that awesome approach play to where he's giving himself so many birdie opportunities that he's among the leaders in birdie average year in, year out, wins all the time, et cetera. So he just hasn't had that bankable, you know, the thing he could always rely on was getting a whole bunch of shots inside 15 feet in every round. He's just not doing that now, and it's caught up to him, and he's not having the same kind of success. So he's still 16th in strokes gained total this season. Like yeah. his standards are ridiculously high, but yeah. when you compare him to you know the guys who are at the top of the board, Rom Scheffler, and then the other guys I like this week, I'm just kind of leaning away. From it just felt like he hasn't been in contention as much. If he gets into contention, uh, much like last year when that's coming right. into that tournament, it felt like he hadn't been in contention that much, but. That, that guy, Sunday afternoon. Yeah, exactly. But that guy among <laughs> all, of, the final all took. of all the guys that he can go on as big a heater as anybody on tour. So he's he's not More rounds of, of 62 or lower than any player since turning pro, like super low, not just like 65 low, like ultra low. That's how that's what he can. If he can find it and I wouldn't be surprised if he does. But um, statistically speaking, I can't back him this week. Well, speaking of backing, we're we're going to get to our picks for the week and and you know who we're leaning into to win this golf tournament but let's do a little long shot at this at this point in, in the show let's talk about two or three guys that you have circled that maybe have some attributes some profile that aren't you know top of of, of the list maybe not on, on the tip of everybody's tongue um that you think could succeed uh at this venue this week so going way down the board and you guys are going to, your mouths might be agape after you see this, but I have kept referring to success at Bay Hill. Now, this guy has missed his last three cuts, but he's sixth on the PGA Tour in carry distance. He's He's got really, he's got some pretty strong long iron numbers. 350 to one, Kurt Kitayama. Okay. Uh, wow. I've got him way down the board, but from an analytical perspective, he's got some of those key factors that I think are really important this week. And another guy in that same boat, Made his first President's Cup team last year, Quail Hollow. A different Australian camp, Cam Davis. Mm-hmm. Way down the board, I think there's value there. He's really long. He's got really good numbers with his long irons. I think he's top 15 on the PGA Tour this season in driving distance. 
hits it a mile. I think those are two guys who Kenny Yama's not a big dude. He can move it, man. Like he he's got some pop off the tee. I think those are two factors that are going to be really important. So I always this is one of my, this is my favorite thing to look up when you guys bring this question before every major because I gotta I gotta dig down deep and try to find something within the numbers that's not just top of mind for everybody. Kirk Kitayama, Cam Davis. Those are my two way off the board. Now, I, I was hoping, I know Nate shares this sentiment. I we we don't we deliberately don't like, you know, try and pick your brain ahead of time because we want everything to come out. We want it fresh. Um, but if I was gonna try and plant a seed, I I would have said, can, can we get there with Ricky? Can we can we get yeah. Ricky Fowler? Can we get him on, on a leaderboard? Look, yes. he's been on leaderboards this whole season. And, you know, you, we, we hit the big four in terms of strokes gained off the tee, approach, around the green. He's and, and putting. And, and look, uh, you know, all trending in the right direction. Give us something to hang our hat on with our good pal Ricky Fowler, JR. Yeah, so it's, it's a lot of the same narrative of Jason Day and that, you know, he keeps building towards what we think is going to be an inevitable breakthrough win. Ricky Fowler was 111th on the PGA Tour last season scoring average. You know what he ranks this year? Eighth. He's mm. eighth in scoring. He's up there with some of the best players in the sport. And it's kind of like I mentioned, the Jason Day improvement with approach play. He went from 150th in stroke scan approach last season. He's seventh this year. He's finding it. He's going to get there. He's almost back. The, the, the wins and the contention in the big events, not necessarily where he was in the kind of the halcyon 2014 peak of his career. But he's getting there. Statistically, he's getting really close. So um, there's your positivity to inject with with uh, for Ricky Fowler. But yeah, no, I mean, off the tee, he's still well above average in terms of average length. So you got to like that. But that approach play number is, is really, he's closer to Colin Morikawa than what he was doing last season. And that's, that's a, a pretty incredible turnaround. House, I think it's time to start deciding who's going to win this golf tournament. I, I have a sense that I might have I might have looked under the tree on Christmas morning a little too early. But Jay Ray, why don't you make it official and tell us who you think is going to win this golf tournament? My pick to win is Cameron Young. Uh, I, I think that it just, it's time. Uh, all the different high finishes and then all the different traits statistically that he brings to the table. He's third on the PGA Tour in carry distance. I think that's going to be a big factor. Guys aren't going to get a whole lot of rollout with their drives this week. Uh, and he's elite in terms of being able to move the golf ball. We know how far he can hit it. His last four majors, he's got a second, a third, and a seventh. I mean, he's right there in the biggest events. Almost won the match play, another big event. Um, and he's he's a New York guy. So I'm going Cameron Young to break through. Uh, we've already seen a player get their first PGA Tour win at the PGA Championship at Oak Hill 20 years ago when Sean McKeel did it. Cameron's obviously a much higher quality, caliber, talented player um, than McKeel was. but uh, I'm going to go with Cam Young just because I think he he checks every statistical box. But right behind him, it was tough. You, It was funny because the two names you guys guessed were one, two on my list of who could break through for their first major win in terms of Cam Young one, Tony Finau two. I like Tony a lot, but uh, I'll go Cam Young for the win. I, I, I love it. And he's sitting right there at 32 to one on FanDuel. Right now, same Find as Matthew, spot. Yep. Matthew Fitzpatrick, and we do love that. That's our spot. That's our that's our money making spot. I do have a money making parlay for everybody. It's a Monday parlay, but look, we we um, haven't come up with any reason to move off of the the chalk this week. So I'm I'm just trying to do something for all the birdie buddies out there. Let's get a little positive return on investment, a little positive momentum. I'm playing Scotty Scheffler to top five. He doesn't have to win outright. He has a top five. That's at plus uh, 185 odds. And then I have Xander to top 10. That's plus 210 odds. And then I have John Rahm to top 20. I don't feel like we're asking a ton of John Rahm. We know what his skill set consists of. The only reason that I want to give him a little bit of territory to roam is is because of how hard it is to win, you know, back-to-back majors. But top 20, he's minus 260. If you put those three together, those those three players together, it's better than 11 to 1 odds. I mean, that feels like a, a nice way to, to to kind of get a a May weekend under your belt, JR. What do you think? Yeah, I'd buy that. I mean, I talked about how look, Rom is is good at everything, carries everywhere. The human element's probably the only thing that would stand between him and, and possibly winning this week. Um, when you look at everything he brings to the table, 
week in, week out. I like that number for Scotty. Um, look, I, I mentioned he leads the tour in strokes gained off the tee and greens in regulation. Best ball striker on the planet right now. Um, and the third was Xander. Xander at top 10. I told you about how much I like Xander this week, too. So, yeah, no, yeah. I'm all in on that. It's a way to play. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's a way to play the chalkiness house, even though I really think I'm looking this course, this tournament, we're going to have a first-time major winner this week. So I, I love the Cam Young pick. I love the Tony Finau pick. I love the Xander pick. But if you want to cover your butt on Raman Scheffler, that's a good way to do it in a parlay like that. 100%. There we go. Well, my, my birdie buddies, my eagle enthusiasts, my par-saving pals, this is the the Monday preview. Uh, uh, the, 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 we're getting it going early here in the week. It'll be on FanDuel TV Tuesday, but we want you to get your head rolling, get things moving a little bit in terms of sizing up a dance card, maybe building a lineup, maybe looking at a couple wagers you want to place, maybe just picking a favorite or two that you plan on watching all week long. We will be back on Wednesday with another element of preview just in advance of the tournament. And then Sunday night recap back here on FanDuel TV. Our thanks, as always, to our homie, Justin Ray, the 21st group. You can catch his stuff. Get on his Twitter and see where he's posting all his analysis during the course of the week. Of course, our thanks to Nathan Hubbard. Our thanks to our producer, Eduardo Campo, And thanks to you, my birdie buddies. If you're able to play this week, it's beautiful in most of the country for golf. You know, you have to enter your scores and they affect your handicap now. There are no sleeping on your handicap, you sandbaggers out there. But please, throw a peg in the ground. And if you're able to get off the tee, let's hit one straight out there. <laughs>